There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're very welcome to Monday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Hope you had a lovely, lovely weekend. That's more like the weather, isn't it? Yes, that's more seasonal for sure. I know it's cold and it's going to be cold for the rest of the week. But really, that's the weather we should have and expect at this time of the year. I think it'll help, to be honest, with all the old infections and... Uh, stuff that's going round at the moment that it is harder and uh, they're lovely days I was out for a walk yesterday with uh, my four-legged friend Messi and my eldest granddaughter Ava and it was just lovely we had a lovely trot out the road and back with him and it do your heart good and the bit of sunshine that was heating the sun during the day that's more like it let's be having more of it welcome to the show hope you had a lovely Saturday Sunday and we're ready to rock and roll with a brand new week with everybody back at work and school etc we're back into the norm for 2024 and the norm in numbers is 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to get in touch with me on the show. But starting off this week, I want to uh, jog your memories. Have a listen to this. want to get to them before it's too late. Good morning to you. If by any chance you are thinking of a divorce, if that is on the agenda for you in the near future, then you might like to take notice of a report in the papers today from America, which says that a divorce can cause as much stress to the family dog as to the couple involved. This is according to an animal psychologist, Dr. Roger Mugford. He said that dogs involved in marriage breakups often suffered an emotional collapse similar to that of a young child. Yes, that is the wonderful, late, great Mr. Gabe Byrne. Oh, I'm sure many listening today remember the theme so well. And when you listen to the story he was about to develop there, well, it does bring back memories. Well, can I tell you that I've had the most wonderful book since just before Christmas? It's called Dear Gay, The Letters to the Gay Byrne Show, A Handwritten History of Ireland, and it's compiled by his daughter, Susie Byrne, who's on the line. Susie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for inviting me on. Not at all. You're very welcome to the show. God, when I hear him there and all those mornings, he spoke to the nation. And you know the thing, Susie, I want to tell listeners this from the start. 850,000 people were tuning in to your dad, a quarter of the nation. He had them in the palm of his hand, hadn't he? Oh, he really did. I mean, those times will never be again. Yes, he had literally. And they, when they were looking at the statistics, they were saying that, you know, that 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 was quarter of the population. But actually, given that most of his listeners were women, it was probably nearly 40, 45 percent of women. Um, So it was a huge, huge listenership. Um, And when you have those kind of numbers, you can really understand how it was, that voice of the nation and, and other people's voices and all their voices. Um, when you're when everyone's listening to each other, really. Yeah, he was blessed among women, even at home with Kathleen and yourselves. Yeah. You mentioned mostly women, stay-at-home women and mothers listening to him. And and his teams over the years, the teams who worked with him were dominated by women. 
Yeah, very much so. He he did surround himself with um, women in in the um, in the radio program. That uh, sorry, it's my voice. Um, so, and and the Late Late Show. Um, I think because he knew that a lot, both on the Late Late Show and on the radio, a lot of his listeners were women. So in order to address the audience, because at the end of the day, they were the most important thing, he had to understand what was going on and what were their issues and what were their their problems etc so that he made sure that he had um very incredibly strong women as well also who were and very he was very open to them educating him on what he should be doing so it 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 flowed from there i think that they, they they had his ear and he knew what was going on so he he pushed it forward pushed the agenda forward now, letters are the subject of this book of yours. And just to yeah. context it for our listeners today, when you think about it, the Gay Barn Show began, uh, the Gay Barn Hour in 73 and became the Gay Barn Show later. Um, when you think about it back in the 70s, 80s and even beyond, you know, not every home had a telephone, number one. They were sparse on the ground. There was no internet or Google or you weren't able to look up things like I can today so easily. So the, the letter writing was the key. It was so powerful and it was predominant. Look at the thousands upon thousands of letters he received. Oh, absolutely. The letter, the letters were were massive, and they they fed off each other. And he he they. I mean, initially, I mean, he he said himself in a couple of interviews, even to be allowed to use the telephone, he had to fight very hard to do that. But the letters early on in the program, in the like a seven nineteen seventies, they were quite whimsical, and they were specialised in finding things for people, and it was all very light. And then gradually, little letters came in of women or people, not always women, just asking a question of, of dear gay, um, I have a problem, could you maybe read out my letter and see if anybody has the same issue? And that that grew and um even even in that in that sense sense, the letters became more serious and became more reflective of what was going on in houses all over the country, unbeknownst to anybody else. And yet the problems weren't new. They just hadn't been told. And then he also had to fight because obviously church and state were not happy at Mm. all with with any of this, particularly the church. And so but so he had to literally he was he often said that his his radio program and the Late Late Show went out in spite of management rather than with the with the um, support of them. So he really had to fight to keep that agenda on the table. But then, as as he was getting as the the, the listenership, which figures that that eight hundred fifty thousand, that gave the program huge clout to say no, no, we this is what's what's wanted. This is the, this the listenership there is there. Therefore, the advertising figures are there. So we they they then had the power within themselves to push back and say, no, this is the agenda. This is what people want to talk about. And the listeners are listening because that's what they want. So and the letters just came in. I mean, there would be when I was compiling the book, there are thousands of letters in the archives and trying to to reflect the the curation that reflects what the rest of them that are in there um you know and there was and often they they you know they, they would be numerous letters and he would read out the letter that was the most um had the most in it that would spark the most reaction from people mm. so you can see in the files that they chose a letter and this sparked reaction and then mo- a lot of the most of the the major issues that were discussed then 
were on the back of one letter being written in, it being read out, and the response of people straight away within the next kind of weeks. Yes. Afterwards, which yeah. then made national debates and, and etc. Yeah, he was unstoppable. That's what you're really saying because of yes. the, you know, the volume of his audience and what the listeners wanted. And I could only, as I was reading the book, imagine the battles that happened behind the scenes as those powerful institutions of state and church tried to close him down. But he wasn't to be stopped. And thank God he wasn't. Because you see, Susie, I'm a child of the late 60s, early 70s, yes. a teen of the mid to late 70s. And of course, then in my early 20s and the 80s. And I was part of this Ireland that was changing and your dad was such a facilitator of that. I want to come back to some of the light ones early on in the book. Mm-hmm. I love the story about the lady writing in to see if he could help her find a bra that would fit her. I thought that yes, was... Just... Yeah. <laughs> she tried everywhere. <laughs> yes, everywhere to get one. And then the other one where the electricity went off and the woman was baking. Was it the Christmas the cake? cake? Yes, oh, the Jesus. Christmas and she cake. said, can yes. I continue with the bacon game? Or what should I do at this stage? My God, yes. the, the innocence and the fun of and oh, because absolutely. you know that was your dad. Besides, you know the the the, the serious issues. Well, come to those in a moment. He loved the crack, didn't he? Well, that's it, and it was it was quite hard in a way because the book is very much about the letters, but the letters were only a part, or they were a huge part of the of the show. But uh, there was the other part, huge part of the show was all that light-hearted, um, uh, you know, and the mimicry and his acting voice and the various yes. things. And even within the archives, when I was doing the research, you know, he, you go the the running order. He goes from um, a very serious issue to something like the Christmas cake, and uh, the fruit, the fear of the fruit falling in the Christmas cake, literally after a commercial break. So he was moving. The pendulum was swinging all the time within the program, and just to get a reflection of that, because. Because the book is about letters and people don't write, sit down at their kitchen table to say, dear gay, my life is fantastic. Thanks very much. So a lot of the letters tended to be a little bit hard. Mm. So it, it, was, it, was, it was quite hard to actually to reflect to the fun stuff that went on in the programme because I, I don't remember it as being, um, well, I, like yourself, I was born in 1973. So so I remember the kind of the sick tune and I remember it kind of the mimicry. I remember his voice changing and, and him giving out to people on the radio or interviews. And I remember kind of a lot of happy stuff. Yes. So and then if, and he was also a product of that of that world. He had been brought up with the Christian brothers. So he had had the harsh moral upbringing like everybody else. So he wasn't he understood when people just spoke about the cruelties of the church and the cruelty of, of priests and, and various things. He had experienced it. So he was very ready to believe people because he is he was part of it. It wasn't like he'd come in from somewhere else. He knew that they were telling the truth because he'd been whacked as a child in school, etc. Mm. So... Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he, 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 he lived it himself. I know that. Whether, was the country just awash with loveless marriages? Because it comes up a lot in the letters in part of the book, doesn't it? People writing it in. Does. You know, it was horrendous, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, the, the, a, there was a lot of loveless marriages. And I think, I think at the time, when you see the, 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 the unfairness and the treatment of women and the, the inequality of all those things, and people were trapped and they'd no way out. And, and, and yet there was so many happy marriages, but there wasn't any, and people didn't talk about it really at all. So whereas now I think people, there, there's probably so much more communication, well, probably lots of loveless marriages now as well, but mm. there's more, 
outward communication. We're more aware there's more help out there. Whereas I think at that time, people felt they had to put forward this totally everything. We were a land of happy marriages. We were a land of happy families. The children were running around. Mum was at home baking cakes, scones coming in from school, all of these things. And you had these very intelligent, smart women who couldn't step outside their home, really. They had nothing. To, and then they had no money. Like there was, I think there was a, a mm. point where, you know, if you wanted, if you wanted to even collect the children's allowance, you had to have your husband's yes. permission or else it went into his account. Yes. You know, there was it, they, so there was th- that kind of feeling that you had to ask for money or ask for things. And uh, like, uh, if 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 you weren't married to a, a reasonable person, that power that people had over each other, which I don't think we have anymore. Yeah. Um. If it if 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 the person you were married to wasn't fair, then you then that that kind of would just snowball mm. more and more and more. Yeah. And then alcohol obviously were, was huge. And yes. other in others in other elements mm. of of um the book which was obviously still there as well but but again it's it's more dealt with now i think people are more open to speaking about things which, yes. which is the biggest change i would say that so many of the things that are happening within those letters that are still there but the the the, the biggest change is that we talk about things more yeah. yeah and they're out in the open and here here long yeah. may that continue that mm-hmm. it has changed and changed for the better forever i there's a letter there 1983 and i can only imagine the reaction it brought somebody wrote in that they were contemplating it was a lady having an affair with a married man can you imagine susie yeah. 1983 yeah. oh my god <laughs> I know. Yeah, there was huge, huge, um, and the amount of letters about affairs is extraordinary. Uh, and I, I suppose uh, coming on for lovely times, but the the affairs thing was massive. And Maureen Gaffney was brought in to a lot of uh, a lot. They had they brought her in, Dr. Maureen Gaffney, to discuss all this. And yes. um, it, I mean, there's phenomenal audio um, footage or not audio audio um, tapes of that I was listening to of women on the radio program talking about. Um, uh, contemplating an affair or a woman then speaking about her husband had an affair and the effect of, of it and, and following him around and finding it out and the coldness that he, he her expecting him to be full of remorse but actually he literally packed his bags there and then and left and and then there's men that had affairs or that that were dreadfully yeah and knew the destruction that they had caused mm. and, if, and were giving advice if you can just walk away from it now, etc. I mean, it's it, the the affairs stuff. I found fascinating yeah. because because it, it was people in all all corners of it that were writing in. Yeah, and and you know when when you mention that it it reminds me because I've been through the book and I've, I've enjoyed it so much I have to say that that lady you spoke about there she took that fella back a number of times and away he went again yes. and and the man you're talking yes. about the regrets he had about having that affair mm-hmm. oh my word they, they really are telling listen Susie to come up to 1984 and the Anne Lovett story the shocking story of the 15 year old who was found dead near the grotto in Granard by God that was some story at the time and your dad was at the heart of it. Do you know what struck me about that? And it's in the book, you detail it. The way the parish priest came on and said that it should have been kept local, it was nobody else's business. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, it's all more of the secrecy and um, keeping like the the parochial, keeping it, keep it within our, in the four walls and don't let anybody know 
Um, and there's actually again there's some fantastic audio which I'm hoping we can we can release um, of of somebody who kind of wrote in to say. Um, this shouldn't be on national radio. Yeah. And um, John Bowman actually played it a few weeks ago on, on on RTE. And you know, Dad's response being, "This is not. This is absolutely not um, publicity and and kind of um, railing up a story. This is. We have had so many letters." coming in of people all over the country who have suffered the same thing. And it became, it kind of knew, it was an Anne, the story of Anne Lovett and the tragic circumstances surrounding her death. Um, and, and Dad sent his reporter, Kevin O'Connor, up to Granard to um, report on the, the, the situation. And it was Kevin's report, which is an extraordinary piece of journalism and, and radio reporting. And it was his report that my mother even remembers standing in the kitchen literally stopped in her tracks listening to Kevin O'Connor and it was his report that really caused this this an influx of letters I mean the letters the Anne Lovett letters that came from the length and breadth of the country mm. are spine chilling really mm. because they're all together unlike other letters which are kind of in the in the program files as in day to day the Anne Lovett letters because they're such a huge part of social history they're actually kept out of in a special kind of safe as such and they are all together and literally to go through one after the other and it's just more of this happened to me I could have been her that was my aunt that was my sister this happened all of all of this in one from everywhere it all came out and and I think that was the the the, the as, as horrific as the Anne Lovett story was the fallout which was mm. that that all was not as it seemed in Holy Catholic Ireland and they as they said themselves they just lifted the stone of and and got a peek of what was underneath the stone and and from that and I mean it was it was another six or eight or actually nearly eight years before the mother and baby homes scandal mm. from with Christine Buckley came out so so it was so early on and the thing as well with Anne Lovett was what was critical in that was um, and you would have seen in the book that that this was just after the um, Eighth Amendment had That's been right. signed into the Constitution. So so there had been huge, huge marches and discussions and everything about um, they, well, who they were termed at the time, un, unmarried mothers, um, and that, that we as a state and church and everybody would protect the life of the unborn and would treat mother and, and child equally, etc. And yet this girl... Um, age 16 or went up or 15 went up to this this grotto and it was just horrific horrific what happened to her horrendous and and we think the term fake news is new even back then people yes. tried to say yes. you have you outlined this as well that this was fake news yes incredible. absolutely incredible. And incredible and that you know that they that and the, when 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 kevin o'connor went up to granard to do the 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 interview or the the, interview, the report i mean the shutters were down the, mm. the the community they did not want anybody rightfully fairness in fairness that it was a such a tragic event um but it it was all about this should have been kept within the village and we never need nobody else ever needs to know about this yeah. Which was, as you said, about the parish priest, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Christine Buckley, yeah. you mentioned there, and a skilling happened as well. The other big yes. one was, you know, being gay in Ireland in yeah. the 70s, 80s and 90s. And all the letters you've seen, people were even afraid to put their names to those letters. Oh, yeah. Like the, the homosexuality chapter is 
and I say one of anyway, one of my favorite chapters, which is kind of seems a bit weird, but it's an extraordinary chapter because unlike many of the others, that the 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 people that were writing in about homosexuality and gay being gay and their life, it, there's letters in that chapter from the mother, from the the man who's gay, the man who's come out as gay, the man who's homo heterosexual, um, and kind of says, I'm that. But that just ha- happens to be what I am. I didn't choose to be heterosexual, nor did the person who's homosexual choose to be. That's the way that they are. And uh, and and then there's a lovely letter from a mother whose um, daughter announced that she was lesbian, and obviously came into the the, the family home. And, and I'm sure the daughter spent months being sick about the, this news she was going to tell her parents and they wrapped their arms around her and uh, you know they their relationship with her changed so dramatically for the better because they obviously were they could see their daughter was in trouble but they didn't know what it was and her letter is so much a kind of I I am I am the, do- the mother of a daughter who just happens to be a lesbian, but she's fabulous and the relationship with her father has changed for the better. And I'm sure what's, 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 the, what's underlying so many of those letters is how many people never got the chance to talk to their parents or spoke to people or never came out. They were too terrified to. I mean, the, 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 the letters are so illustrative of the absolute hell that um, uh, that that people who are gay this were subjected to, and even just there's one letter I think from a I think it's from a father or mother who who says you know I I'm I'm fully supportive of my my son who's gay, but I worry. I'm so fearful for the life that he will now live in this country because mm. we're so intolerant of it. So it's a, it's an extraordinary, and I think because it's one of the chapters that that is more male dominated than female dominated, and um, it, it just extraordinary how it's a it's a it's a chapter that that, that illustrates the the huge change that has has yes. come about. I mean, my kids couldn't, would, they were reading that thinking, what? Yes. That, that can't mm-hmm. be serious about that. And it's just quite um, unbelievable. The other stuff, I suppose, um, is not new, not necessarily new, but for a generation, like my children are 19, 17 and 15, and they, they don't know anything of um, yeah. anybody being gay, not being, t- like, it's so fabulously open and normal in their lives yes and, and you know I think that sums up what this book is about the show and your dad reflected the mood of the nation through decades that are unbelievable to look back at now from yes. 2024 you know what I want to say to you I'm just going to finish now by saying this I just adore this book. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I highly recommend it to anybody listening today. Go out and get this book. It's called Dear Gay by his daughter Susie Byrne. And you will understand, if you're you're from a, a, a more recent generation, it will teach you what Ireland was like back in the 70s, 80s and 90s. And for those who lived through it like myself, it brings it all back home and it shows us the way we have emerged as a nation with Mr Gay Byrne at the heart of it every morning on RTE Radio 1. It's been my pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And my pleasure too, Jerry. Thank you so much and Happy New Year to you all. Many happy returns. Thank you, Susie. Take care now. Thank you, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Susie Byrne there. This is a truly terrific book and I give many books an endorsement.
get this book. You'll absolutely love it. I promise you. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. I'm sure I don't have to remind you that uh, cocaine is at epidemic proportions across Ireland and in the North East too. We're, we're no exception. And it, it's a difficult, difficult one because uh, people use it recreationally and socially. But there's the deeper side, the more difficult side, when somebody becomes addicted and then there is a real, real problem. We're going to talk about it for the next while. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon, Jer Curran from the Red Door Project in Drogheda, where she's an addiction support project worker. Jer, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for being here. Um, what I say there, you guys are on the forefront of this day in, day out. Absolutely. Cocaine is the dominant drug now. Yes, it seems to be one of the ones that we're seeing more common come in the door and it's been like that for the last while. And I think with cocaine, it's because, again, it's such a a recreational drug maybe to begin with. It's hand in hand with alcohol. Um, A lot of the time, that's how a lot of our users will start off using this particular substance. So it's quite a popular one out there because you would have your peers that you are, you know, out with at the weekend um, alcohol is involved. And then that a lot of the time will link into the usage of cocaine. And can I just, uh, as an innocent abroad mm-hmm. here, because I've never partaken, I, I, I like I like a drink, but I've never I've never yeah. smoked or I've never taken a drug in my life, and I can put my hand in my heart and say that to you. Can you use cocaine recreationally and keep it at that level forevermore? Well, you know, as with uh, any substance that we use, you know, some people have the ability to keep that particular substance at recreational level. Well, no, like having a drink, I'm just going to have a drink on Saturday night and that's it. And, you know, Sunday, nothing. I'm up for work Monday and Monday to Friday is fine and so on and so forth. So as with any substance that exists in society today, some people can manage that substance at a recreational level and, and there is no impact. You know, there's no impact financially, there's no impact emotionally and so on and so forth. But in other instances, when we start off something at a recreational level, then it, when it starts creeping into our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and we're becoming dependent on that particular substance and there is a huge impact financially and emotionally and on the family and so forth, that's when the substance now, it, it's, it has become a huge issue in that individual's life. So it becomes more and more a part of the seven day week yes. rather than just the weekend. Yes, thing. absolutely. Can addiction happen quickly? You know, you need to be taking cocaine over a period of time. Have you seen cases where people get addicted quite quickly to cocaine? Well, it's it's a very, very individual, you know, thing, how quick a person becomes addicted to cocaine. Cocaine provides a very... Um, you know, a huge euphoric high at the very beginning. It completely hijacks the reward mechanism within the brain. And um, it would be like, you know, if you lack confidence, if you lack, you know, if you lack social skill or anything like that, like the first time use of cocaine is going to give you that, you know, that huge euphoric high, that confidence. It's a very short lived high, you know, it might last 30 minutes, you know, less maybe. And then you go again to get that feeling again. And then you go again to get that feeling again. And um, so it really depends on the individual themselves, but it can happen very quickly or it can be a slower pace, but it's, it's down to that particular person. Could you have somebody bringing that into the workplace, for example, to help them through their work and day? Absolutely. Do you ever see that? Yeah, absolutely. We, we would have people that do come in the door that um, would use it on a daily basis, maybe before they go to their employment, certainly after their employment, um, and certainly in, in some sectors it could be during work. 
you know, it, it has become that normalised, you know, in our town and in every village in Ireland. And it's as normalised in some instances as just taking a drink. And when you talk about that high you get and then it mm-hmm. drops off, yeah. when, you, when it drops off, is that the is that the difficult time that people that's hugely difficult for a person then because that's when you know that that crash kind of happens there's there's no motivation there's depression there's anxiety there's irritability and um, the withdrawals from cocaine if if you can't actually you know, find the substance or get the substance or you're waiting on the substance, all of that comes into play. It's the the irritability, the paranoia, the insomnia, everything that comes with it because now you're a dependent user on that particular substance and you're using that substance. You will never get that first high. You will never get that feeling again from your first few uses of cocaine. So like any substance, you start becoming depending on it just to have that normal level. What about the age profile of people mm-hmm. who you're coming across? Is it across the board? It's across the board. Is it really? I've, I've, yes, it's across the board. Individuals come in the door to be um, assessed, you know, in the red door. And even for myself personally, I, I have assessed all age groups that have been affected by this substance. So we might have a picture that it's just a certain age group. That's what I have. Yeah, yeah, we might have a picture. It's, it's just the young sector in our society. It's not like that at all. It's, it is right across the board. You know, it it's just depends on the individual, but I've assessed all age groups that use this substance. I want to come back to the availability again. I hear uh, anecdotally from uh, younger people as mm-hmm. well who are out and about at the weekends yeah. and that, that it's everywhere. It's yes. so easy to access. Yes, it's extremely easy to access. It's extremely easy to buy. Um, it's a matter of a phone call, a text message. It's delivered. You know, it's 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 just when we when we talk about addiction and we talk about a substance, we talk about accessibility and availability and affordability and affordability. It is an expensive drug for anybody to use, but um, it's very accessible and very available. What do you talk about affordability? What does it cost? How much does it cost? Um, I can't specifically tell you how much. Okay, but it's expensive. It's it's expensive. Are you saying to me that, you know, uh, it costs a lot of money Mm -hmm. to take cocaine to even, fund that habit yeah it's an even, expensive habit even recreationally yeah, it, well even recreationally yes yeah, it's, it's an expensive habit you know it is an expensive habit but if somebody's dependent on it that's when you talk about impact on the family right. or you talk about impact on the individual mm. you're talking about financial impact not just emotional impact mm. so you're talking about the money now that's going on that particular substance and the impact that has on the family and that's where you can see an individual then starting to kind of rack up debt in terms of the use that they have, you know, and that's very isolating for an individual because now they're not only dependent, now they owe money on top of that, you know. So it's it's a very, very, you know, isolating, dark place to be mm. for anybody who is dependent on that substance. You, 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 as I said, you're on the front line here. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with addiction and, and serious situations. I've often said on this show to people, if you're using it recreationally, you are funding these crime gangs. Absolutely. You know, does that, does that, is that awareness out there or does it make, it, it, that doesn't rest at all with anybody who's addicted? No. Uh, no, it wouldn't. That, that awareness wouldn't be there. No. If you're talking about somebody who is dependent on a substance, what they're going to think about is the substance. They've got to get it. They got, they've got to get it. I mean, let, let, let's be realistic in terms of the physical damage that any substance does to us, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, you know, cigarettes, whether it's cannabis, whether it's tablets, whatever, you know, um, 
cocaine has a huge psychological effect on a person, huge. And it's one of the harder ones to battle because of the psychological impact it has on the brain. Um, and the withdrawals are absolutely horrendous. You know, the physical damage it'll do to the septum of your nose, the physical damage it does to the heart, the physical damage it does to, you know, everything that we have. And if somebody gave you a vial of, you know, arsenic, you're not going to take that. You know what I mean? You're, you're highly aware of the damage that does instantly, whereas we will slowly do that damage to ourselves with cocaine. But because we're dependent, we will keep going with that. So the health implications of really serious when oh, they will be very very serious you know and even you know a user could be very aware of that and yet they still can't stop mm. you know and and the particular program that we've put together is is to target that and that's why you're here with me today because this mm-hmm. new program is aimed at people who are addicted What's different about this programme? Is it similar to programmes you've run in the past or are you targeting different people or what? Okay. Well, this is a very condensed, high-impact programme. If you think of an individual that can attend our day services. So we have a number of day services that we're on. We have a three-year recovery programme. We have our drop-in service. We have therapeutic groups. We have holistic programmes. We have one-to-one key working. We have women's groups. We have men's groups. But they all run during the day. So for somebody who is in full time employment, who is using this substance, they can't attend any of those services. They could come in the door to be assessed. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll be able to attend any of the groups, any of the key working or anything like that. So um, we notice this more and more. And I suppose we think we thought about, you know, what can we offer in terms of support to somebody who can't attend our day services? What can we do there? And that's what this programme is about because it's run out of hours. So what this programme offers in a condensed fashion, I suppose, or in a condensed manner is what we offer in our day services. So it's quite high impact. It's a three prong approach in terms of we have cognitive behaviour therapy, which um, talks about reframing our thoughts, our beliefs and how they lead to the behaviours and our behaviours leads to the addiction. We also have holistic therapy and we also have um, a rewards based system, which is based on urine testing. So that's the three prong approach that we're bringing to this programme. So that urine testing is significant. Mm -hmm. Yes. Why? Very significant because um, I suppose, like we said earlier, cocaine hijacks the reward system in the brain. It gives us that huge euphoric reward when we take that particular substance. With the urine testing for um, positive urines, as in clear urines going throughout the programme, um, we want to offer a rewards-based system there. So at the end of the programme, at the graduation end, you know, um, we could have, you could have a gym membership, you could have a cine- cinema membership. You, we want to replace that reward mechanism with something that, that particular individual has achieved themselves as opposed to what cocaine will give them. And the urine tells you whether they're using or yes, not. Yes, yes, absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. And, and just to be, you know, with the participants that we've recruited so far, the feedback on the urine tested that this is going to be part of this going forward has been extremely positive and extremely, yeah, I want that urine test. Now, it's m- much more motivated than people would think. So this is aimed at people who are working, mm-hmm. who can't make the through the day programmes yes, or yes. whatever. When is it starting and, and what's involved? Okay, so the programme starts on the 16th of January and it runs for six evenings and two Saturdays. And our evening sessions are three hours, our Saturday sessions are five hours. 
Um, if you think in terms of what we offer on our day programme and our day services, we have a range of facilitators that are coming in um, with a huge amount of knowledge to bring to the table. We have P.O. Smith and he's a cognitive behaviour therapy therapist. We have Joanna Dwyer, accredited counsellor and psychotherapist. We have Ollie Smith, who is project worker. He's studying his final year in a counselling degree and he manages the Centre Harm Reduction and our Needle Exchange. And we have Erla Keegan. She has a degree in social care. She's a project worker within the Red Door and works a lot with parents in crisis. And we also have Emer Lush and she is CEO of the Irish School of Mindfulness and Wellbeing. And she's worked extensively with the Red Door and also with Loud Leader Partnership and m- me myself, I am the coordinator of the whole programme. That's a fantastic lineup of facilitators, is, yeah. may I say. And I know most of them myself and I know the wonderful people yes, that they actually yeah. are. But there are people listening to us today who are addicted. You can be sure of that. There are people mm-hmm. in families living with people yes. who are addicted. Yeah. What do you say to somebody who's addicted and wants help but finds it hard to go up and go through that red door. All family members mm-hmm. who are concerned about others who'd love to get them involved in this project. What's your advice to them? I would say to anybody, um, if if you yourself have an issue with cocaine, if you know anybody who has an issue with cocaine, um, if you're afraid to come to the door, pick up the phone, ring us, ring the main line, Go to our Facebook page. My mobile number is on that Facebook page. If you feel you can't make the call, text me. I will ring you. Anybody who's in employment now that has difficulty making a call at work, text me a time. That suits you. I will ring you back. We still have a few places left on the January programme. We'll be running this programme out in February. We'll also be running this programme out in March. So make the change now. Pick up the phone and just make the call or send me a text. I know it's often said, but that first step can be the mm-hmm. most difficult. And what we're talking about now. Absolutely, absolutely. And anybody that has, you know, crossed our door has said that that has been the hardest step. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's difficult for an individual to see, you know, what the facilities are behind the red door, what we do. And, and you know what I mean? But it's, it's, um, it's a great place to be in. You will not regret it. It's a very relaxed atmosphere. I work with an excellent team. So just pick up the phone, send a text, we'll come back to you. Do you want to give your number? I know it's on okay. the Facebook page, but we want to give it here today. OK, so the mobile number to call or text is 089-490-8060. That's 089-490-8060. That is the number. It's on the Red Door yep. Facebook page. Ring the red door, the red door number. That's the they're the people you just Google the red door in Drogheda. They help people all across the northeast. If you want assistance, if you're affected by anything we're talking about today, these people are there to help. You do a fantastic job in Thanks, the most Jerry. difficult of sir. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. I know that. And the devastation that... 
cocaine causes and other drugs as well absolutely absolutely not be uh, underestimated or overstated I wish you well with the programme and if we can help you in any means always uh, we're here for you you know that anyway but thank you so much for joining me today thank you so much Jerry. you're welcome she's an addiction support project worker with the Red Door Project Jer Curran thanks a million thank you Keen Ducrow and heaven on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. I'd say it's heaven for lots of people out there today with the Christmas decorations gone. Everything packed away for another year. <laughs> I know we did all ours yesterday. Tucked down. We, we're traditional, you see. We wait till after the 6th. Every king, king came down yesterday. Brian uh, Farley is with me on the show this afternoon. I wonder did Brian have uh, the decoration uh, job to do yesterday. No, you hadn't, sure. You were busy in here. No, I, I actually... No, hang on. Oh, hang go on, on a second. Go on, go on. Yeah, I, I took down my tree. Did you leave it up? Are you traditional? Did you leave it up till the 6th? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, Brian. Okay, well, tell uh, the truth and shame the devil. All right. Well, my Christmas tree, right, is okay. not really a Christmas tree. Oh. It's more of a Christmas twig. Oh, very good. Yeah. So very good. Uh, it has. It's like um, it's a white twig. <laughs> it's not a twig. It's a branch, <laughs> and it has a uh, nice fiber optic lights going around. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. So it Lovely. took all of about ten seconds. Ten seconds. To, <laughs> ten seconds to just throw it up in the attic. <laughs> You know, and then I, I, I was uh, roped in here. Uh, I helped put down the tree, the big, beautiful tree that was here. In oh, it's lovely. It is it was lovely. a lovely tree. Yeah. And I was leaving here on Friday and I was like, oh, you'll be in Monday to take the tree down. I said, oh, of course I will. And I left it to the very last minute to walk in because <laughs> I don't mind putting the tree up. But I tell you, taking it down and the lights. It's oh, a big job. It's, it, yeah. And anyway, it's gone. Well, it's gone underneath the stairs. I, I think uh, it's either going to be me or you that's getting up in the ladder to <laughs> no, throw it up in the attic. I'll leave that to you, Brian. But come <laughs> back. Did you did you leave that little white tree of yours up till yesterday? No. I d- yes, I did. Oh, good. No, well, that's that's nice. It's it's, nice it's down on the ground. It hasn't gone up yeah, into the attic. I know, yet. but that's that's an easy job for you. But well done to Karen and Breach. I think you took down the tree out here this morning, and and it's all nice and clean in reception again with everything gone for another year. It's amazing the amount of people. Like some people take them down. You know that yourself, Brian. Shortly after. Christmas before the new year or whatever but I'd feel bad if I touched it before the 6th of December I have to say I I'd, really would I think you should take it down during that you know that kind of like after St Stephen's Day there's the 27, 28, 29 where nothing really happens that's when you should take it ah Brian no that's when you should take when Brian you, you know when you're, you're, you're full and you're stuffed with turkey and sweets <laughs> and it's kind of that you know like I, I, I don't know maybe you don't take your tree down at home but I assume you do you ever try winding up those lights I know and it takes hours. It takes and ages. You'd be absolutely knackered after doing that. <laughs> so that's kind of the start of your exercise and keep fit. I have it for you. Starring, Disney have just announced they're making The Grinch Tree starring our Mr. Brian Farley who's talking about taking down his decorations. <laughs> oh, if only you knew, if you only knew how much of a Grinch I am. <laughs> don't forget, don't forget when it came down to who would be here on Christmas Day, I was the one that was here. Oh, sure, I know, I know, I know. You've had Christmas to the hilt and New Year as well. Anyway, they're all away for another year and we're looking forward to the springtime and long as I said may this uh, bright weather continue we're heading to a break now on late launch and I'm delighted to say I have a very special guest he's a good friend of mine coming in for a chat and a song stay with us on late launch I know you absolutely love my next guest you really do he's one of the most popular on late launch so I'm not going to say who he is for a second I'm going to let him introduce himself with a song here we go As I went by the dockside one evening so fair 
to view the still water and taste the salt air. I heard an old fisherman singing this song. Won't you please take me home, boys? My time, it's not long. Wrap me up in your oilskins and blankets. No more of the docks I'll be seen. Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green. Now, Fiddler's Green is a place I hear tell where the fishermen go when they don't go to hell, where the skies are all clear and the docks they do stay. And the cold coast of Greenland is far, far away. Wrap me up in your oilskins and blankets. No more of the docks I'll be seen. Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday in Fiddler's. Where there's always a breeze and there's never a gale, and the fish jump on board with the swish of their tail, and you lie at your leisure 'cause there's nothing to do, and the captain's below, boys, making tea for the crew. Wrap me up. In your oilskins and blankets, no more of the docks I'll be seen. Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green. Oh. When you get to the dark side and your long journey's through, and there's pubs and there's clubs and there's lassies there too, and the bottles of beer they are all free, and there's bottles of rum, girls, growing on every tree. In your oilskins and blankets, no more of the docks I'll be seen. Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green. Wrap me up in your oilskins and blankets. No more of the docks I'll be seen. Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday in Fiddler's Green. Woohoo! Jeepers, Tommy Fleming. How are you? 
Good to see you, Jerry. Good to see you too. Thanks so much for joining me on the show this afternoon. You're in fine fettle. I am in great fettle. I'm in mighty fettle, to be honest with you. Um, we were up in, we were up in, we were down in Dublin. This notice is down for you. Yeah. We were down in Dublin yesterday doing bits and pieces. Um, and just living life and enjoying it and been been as normal as we can be if that's whatever normal is <laughs> what is normal God Tommy what is normal I don't know anyway I just want to remind listeners that you can hear that's a taste of what you can enjoy in the TLT in Drogheda on January the 18th that's Thursday week and by the way that was me singing live just in case yeah, you thought that case. was a recording that was live folks that was absolutely live there was no recording there live in studio <coughs> Mr me. Tommy Fleming this afternoon TLT Drogheda January the 18th that's Thursday week we'll mention more of the dates in a moment. Well, 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 I've been having a little look at what you've been up to in life since you were here with me last. <laughs> oh, you have a big day coming up. I see the engagement happened back in September. I'll just let's be clear here. That's not my engagement, Martinez. We're, we're still married. No, you're still married. I know that. I know that. I know uh, that indeed. But, uh, um, yeah, no, Becky. Becky, Becky, our daughter. Becky, your daughter. She got engaged in August, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, August. She got engaged in August. And yeah, so they're, um, they're, they're living their own lives and doing what they do. Mm. And yeah, so hopefully we'll have a, not hopefully, we will have a, a lovely day at some point in the next couple of years. I don't, there's no dates. There's no dates yet. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so you have time to work on the speech. Loads, Lo- of loads of time to work loads on of time speech. to work on the speech for sure yeah absolutely <laughs> so um, yeah so it's um, I suppose when you look at it and you look at that you kind of say to yourself geez the years are flying mm. um, and you know one, once upon a time there were only you know there were, there were the height of your knee now they're now they're you're, they're see, you're still kind oh, of yeah. they're still passing you out you know yeah. the, the real indication of time passing when you look at your children develop and then don't start me when the grandchildren arrive then oh, oh be the a, god okay. you're, 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 you're around the full hoop at that stage well listen congratulations to herself and Andy who got engaged as you said in the autumn of last year tell me about the camper van because uh, Tina's here with you today I I believe you're a great camper van enthusiast that this camper van can be seen all over the west I could be be, you could find us anywhere Um, yeah Tina came in with me here so um, we we started with the camper van in lockdown wasn't it yeah about lockdown Come on, here, talk it. P- p- put that blue microphone here. <laughs> Fix that microphone up. Ladies and gentlemen, this Hold is my, my, my good we, wife. We, we never hear much. We never hear much from Tina. There she is now on microphone. Tell us about this camper van. Go on. Well, we started in lockdown when I suppose we had a bit of free time that we didn't expect to have. So we um, started to dabble in it then and we loved it. And of course, we loved the sea swimming and we loved the wild Atlantic way. So it was the ideal solution. And that led us into a whole world of travel um, that we travel, but yes. travel is different when you're doing it for pleasure. So it's different than being in the Jeep, going to a gig and coming home late at yeah. night. This is totally relaxing and you can stop and you can bring the dogs with you and you can stay for a day or stay for a week. And yes, depending on how drunk you get. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is the beauty of it, isn't it? The flexibility. Uh, you can control the duration. You can yeah. go anywhere you want as well. Two of you and the dogs, is it full at that stage? Is that its capacity, would you say? Uh, yes. 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 It, it is, is, really, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's, you, could, you could bring two more with you, but it's 
conveniently the dogs take over one bed. So, um, the dogs are getting old, so I, they're kind of the priority we have. And yeah, we're um, we're getting we, old, and we should be. In a we we too. ruined them in lockdown, and that led to another problem then because the guilt then are leaving them. But they're very well looked after, and they have yeah. someone that minds them very well. So, uh, the camper van. They took a little while to get used to. Now they look at it like a second home, Isn't same as us. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Because they get, you know, there's no doubt about it. They the, the mental stimulation they get from it as well, and and knowing that they're going to different places. You've two of them, is it? Two, yeah. Two little ones. Yeah. What what, what age is that? You said they're getting on a bit. What ages are they? Teddy is fifteen in August. He's fourteen and a half. Fantastic age. And yeah, he's still in great form. He still he doesn't come for the run with me anymore though. He's not able for yeah. that. Yeah. Jody, we rescued her. We have her five, five years, years, so she's she, 11. She's 11, she was six when we rescued her. So she's and what a, breeds are they? Or what, what? Teddy, we don't know where, he's, he's a bit of a mixed bag. He's <laughs> yeah. a bit of a licorice all sort. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, Jodie's a Yorkshire Terrier. Oh, um, yeah. And Jodie's very much Tina's little little pet. Um, and yeah, so they're, 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 look, at the dogs are very important to us. Mm. Very, very important to us. So would you recommend camper vanning as such? Something that you've come to, you know, latterly. Well, we love it. So, I mean, I know it's not for everybody, but I think it's it is very relaxing and you can get the best out of everything we have here. Mm. And we don't realise we didn't realise before COVID, I think, what we have here. You know, the lovely walks, the sea area, the swimming. There's so much. There's mountains and you can get all of that in a very small you don't have to travel big miles to get there. Sure. You can get it all around you within an hour. Mm. So you can have the best of everything. And then, of course, we were lucky. The weather has been good summers for the last couple of years. So mm. you're sitting outside, you're getting more fresh air, you're getting more exercise. There's so many positives to it. I, I don't understand why people <coughs> don't try it, yeah. you know, and there are a lot more people doing it now. You oh. meet an awful lot more than you would have done you know, yes. even three or four years oh, ago. Oh yeah, look, tuck it up, that's for sure. And and are you, are you part of the camper van community now? Do you meet all these other people? Uh, yes, well, yes and no. Yeah. You, we, you need to be part of it to a certain extent to get information yeah. and to uh, find out the do's and the don'ts yes. and, you know, if something isn't working. And in fairness, everybody's very helpful with yes. these groups and, you know, I see people all the time saying such a switch isn't working, how do I fix it? And 10 people <laughs> will have an instant answer, you know. And if you get stuck somewhere, they're, they're, they're like a community in themselves, you yes. know. Yes. It's, it's so different to the travel that we normally do yeah. because that's very boring and very it strategically <laughs> timed True. and... You know, everything about that is scheduled. Yes. It's totally is, different. Go with, go with the flow. So what, what I love about it is you get up in the morning and we go into the sea. That's, yeah, I could say the sea is the shower. It kind of is for the day and then you kind of you shower down afterwards <laughs> to get the salt off you. Um, and you cook the breakfast outside on, on, a, you know, in, on a barbecue. You yeah. cook everything on the barbecue. Unless it's absolutely dire weather, you don't, mm. you cook inside. Um and it's it's very much you know, you you know you've no TV, you've no well you have a laptop for little bits of work. Mm. Um, the dogs are there. You're reading a book, and within hours you're switched off. You're removed from the world, um, in for want of a better word. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, and you know it was it's and sometimes you know people. You remember last was it last summer or the summer before, when the woman came up wondering where uh, she heard that Tommy Fleming was somewhere nearby 
in a in a camper van. And you, 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 it was you and Cathy, friends of ours, said, "Oh no, he's not here." And I was inside. <laughs> um, you know, so there's there's all of that, and um, you can hide. You can hide. You can hide. Yeah, it's That's a great place. <laughs> but as Tina said, it's you walk, you drive down the coast, um, and we're in the west. So you, you, the Wild Atlantic Way is all the way down. Yeah. It's north and south of us, and yeah. it's, I love it. Tommy and Tina Fleming are with me on late lunch this afternoon. He's appearing at the TLT Theatre in Drogheda on Thursday week, January the 18th. And we have some tickets to give away to see Mr. Fleming live. He is unbelievable live. Would you like to go along to the TLT and enjoy a wonderful evening? I'll ask the question. Tommy has a bet with me that loads of people get this wrong. <laughs> um, from which Irish county does Tommy Fleming hail? Now, that's the easiest question in the world. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Where does Tommy Fleming come from the county please for tickets to the TLT on the 18th of January and you can book tickets from the TLT your website as well website tommyfleming.com and from directly from the TLT okay dot IE I think yes if I'm right and yeah. just to mention I've been looking at the lineup. that's Thursday week uh, February the 15th Carrickdale Dundalk February the 18th the Kilmore and Cavan February 23rd Hillgrove and Monaghan we have lots of listeners listening to us today from those areas and if you'd like to see him in the Borgarsh Energy Theatre it's the 3rd of March. That's going to be an absolutely fantastic night. Tina, tell me this. He was in Australia there before Christmas. I'm, I keep a good eye on this, will you? You know? do. Uh, October, <laughs> November time there. Um, you didn't go this... You normally travel, do you, to, to Australia with him? Now, when he's away, did you miss him? We are uh, ringing them every evening. Come on, let us in on this on the on the, on the on the story. Come on. Well, I didn't go this time because it's our busy time in the office, so... This particular tour had been kicked down the road so many times since 2020. It ended up being a very long tour. Okay. And it's very difficult when it's Australia because the time difference is so crazy. Like it's our night time when it's morning there. So if you miss that opportunity for a phone call, it's gone. Yeah. So you could end up having a few days then. You know, and a lot of the time you're trying to communicate business through email and it's a bit of, of a course. nightmare now, to be honest. Mm. Seven weeks was too long. Too long. Did absence make the heart grow fonder? Of course it did. I think absence, Good man, Tommy. I think absence made the heart get very frustrated <laughs> trying to get work done. Because you manage it. You know, that's the thing that we have to tell people here. Tina is, uh, of course, Tommy's manager. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big job, let me say, in itself. But you were delighted to have him home. We were all delighted yes. when he got home and he was home. He was only home a week and then we had to set into the church tour, which we do pre-Christmas yes. um, in December. And it was kind of like your feet didn't touch the ground. So set into that, that went on till the 15th of December and then we had a chance to breathe. Ah, So it was fine. Um, <laughs> I don't think you'd go for quite as long again. Now, I could be wrong. No, no, never. It's um, Normally, I would have done... It would, normally, it would be three and a half weeks maximum. This time... You know, I'll tell you how it was. Um, I was kind of... I was virtually living in Sydney for a period of it and lovely place and all of that. Great. One of the best cities in the world. And I'd get up really early in the morning because there was two cockatoos that had landed on my window at about 6am. And I was walking distance to the gym. So I'd go to the gym for about 6.30, maybe 7. Come back, have the coffees and whatever. Look at the, see what's on the, in the newspapers. Look at all of that. And one day I was, I was overlooking the opera house and I was looking at the Harbour Bridge uh, from my balcony. And I thought, I'm the luckiest man in the world. And yet here I am, the loneliest man in the world. And so that's, to have that juxtaposition of, 
of of that is is really one of the strangest things. It's irony and everything thrown into the one into the one bucket. And I just said, no, never again am I doing that long. And it just it's it's too far. Um, it's a great country. It's a great spot. If if I was ever to do it again, what I how I did the tour was all um, a lot of the regional towns were done in the territories of the states. Yeah. So you had like we did New South Wales, we did uh, Victoria, we did Queensland. And so we did loads of dates in New, New South Wales, loads of dates in uh, Victoria, loads of dates in Queensland. So instead of just doing Sydney, you did all like uh, uh, Blessington, you did all of these areas, small little towns. So the next time if I was ever to do it, if I was ever to do it again, I'm only going to do Cap Cities and do Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Brisbane, and you're done in two weeks. Yes. And you're out. It's so honest of you to say that, you know, and people look on at you, mm. you know what I mean, and what you do and the glamour of it. But I hear oh, from even no both of you, like it's work and it, and it, mm. it's been, and it's great and you fill the theatres and people love to see you mm. and we, we know all that beside. But it's really honest of you to say that. It absolutely is. I see you re-released The the Bells Are Ringing, your 2009 song, yeah. uh, the Mary Chapin Carpenter song for Christmas as well with Palestine in mind and I'm just watching the news behind you there and I have to close my eyes at times. Sometimes you have to I, close your eyes. When, and I just, when I just see mm. what's going on, it's just too, too heartbreaking, uh, really, to talk <laughs> about. But I just wanted to mention that you did that with Palestine in mind. Now we need you to sing one more because we're going to uh, leave it there. <laughs> TLT January the eighteenth. Tickets available from Tommy Fleming's website or from the TLT at Safe. Tina, thank you. Thank you. Lovely to chat to you thank on the you. air today with himself. It was a great two-hander, I have to say. A two-hander, a two-pronged attack. No, <laughs> listen, don't no. get used to this. No. <laughs> Oh, listen, love to have you. Not all. Thanks for me. As, as always, Jerry. thank you. Thank you to the listeners for the support over the years. Um, and just, you know, 30, how many years? 33, 34 years now doing this. Getting away with it. <laughs> like, not doing it. It's not um, getting away with it. It's and, pure uh, talent. You know, without, without the audience, we wouldn't be doing it. So that's that's it. Thank you for joining us again today. Not Tell all, them you're going to finish out with this. Which oh, this is a classic. This is Bright Blue Rose. Here we go. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Tina. Thank you. I skimmed across black water Without once emerging up To the banks of an urban morning That hunger, the first light Much, much more than the mountains ever She, like a ghost beside me, goes down with the ease of a dove and emerges unlearned, unshamed, unharmed. For she is a perfect creature, natural in every feature, and I am the geek. With the alchemist on For all of you Who must discover For all who seek To understand For having left 
path of others and you find a very special hand and it is a holy thing and it is a precious time and it it is the only way forget me not among the snow it's always been and so it goes to ponder his death and his life eternally Late lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Tommy Fleming and Tina, his wife, with us there just before three o'clock. Lovely, lovely people. He's bringing his new show to the TLT in Drogheda on Thursday week, January the 18th. Tickets from his website or the TLT Theatre itself. Uh, we have tickets to give away today. Tommy Fleming is from... County Sligo. A lot of people say Mayo. Tommy's right there, but Sligo was the answer we were looking for. I have a pair of tickets for you, Lydia Duff, for Nolene Curran and Caroline McBride. A pair of tickets for the three of you to Tommy in the TLT. You'll have a great night. He's simply, simply fantastic. Now, let's do this on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. You know why I've picked this fella this week? I was actually watching him in concert last night from the Barrowlands in Scotland. I've seen uh, the concert before himself and Declan Sinnott, but it was absolutely marvellous. And I said, I must give Christy a spin this week. Yes, my artist of the week is Mr. Christy Moore, who was born on the 7th of May, 1945. 
He'll be 79 this coming May. He will indeed. He's from Newbridge in County Kildare. And he's, his dad died when he was very, very young. So it was his mother, Nancy, who reared him. And she was some woman. She was a Fine Gael election candidate and a, a great mum she was and homemaker. He, he was originally uh, a bank employee. Did you know that? Christy worked in the bank. Uh, but music was always simmering along there in the background. And there was a big bank strike in Ireland, a huge one. It lasted for ages. It lasted for 12 weeks in 1966 so Christy hightailed it off to England and he never came back to the to the bank job uh, at all uh, and he was over uh, there labouring on building sites but he fre- frequented folk clubs and he met up with Seamus Ennis the famous Margaret Barry and indeed Luke Kelly and many other traditional musicians and as they say the rest was history off he went began playing and really the music took precedence to the building sites of the banks or anything else. Yes, he's my artist of the week, Mr. Christy Moore. And today on the show, he's singing a song. Tommy Fleming mentioned it earlier on about being in uh, Sydney and looking in at the Opera House and all that that maintained and the wonderful uh, place it is there, historic. But yet he was lonely. Yes, this is one of my favourite Christy Moore songs. It's Christy and Quiet Desperation. I learned a song from a native Indian called Floyd Westerman. I suppose it's a song about the loneliness of the street. Nowhere else to go. Nowhere left to be. My soul is in the mountains. My heart is in the land. I'm lost here. In the city, there's so much I don't understand. There's quiet desperation coming over me, coming over. Dragons Den returned to the BBC last week for a new run, and local inventor Colin O'Brien stepped into the den. And emerged with an investment. He's on the line. Afternoon, Colin. Jerry, how are you keeping? How's uh, things? And, Delighted to chat to you again. Oh, yeah. So you and I chatted back when Peggy Rain uh, arrived on the scene first. So just to remind listeners, you went into the den. Remind them again what Peggy Rain is, firstly. So Peggy Rain, it's a clothesline. When you hang your washing outside, and if you're away in town, you're somewhere in Drogheda and some are Dundalk, and um, if it starts raining, and you might ring home to tell your significant other to bring the washing in, and they forget... Well, Peggy Rain senses it's starting to rain and it covers your clothes automatically. So that's, that's Peggy Rain. And we had a second product on the den, which was a, clo- um, which was a suitcase as well. And that's gone really, really well. So the, so the suitcase was in there. And, and you brought a third to show them. I think you wanted to show them that you have lots of potential in the pipeline. Was that your idea? Exactly, yeah. So the second product, which was Rollair, Rollair, it's O-L-L-A, or like Erlingus, and uh, Rollair is a suitcase that you could take anywhere. So with Rollair, if you go, like say you're in Temple Bar or in the streets in Spain on holidays and the uh, cobblestones break the wheels, Rollair will just glide across that very quietly and it's, it's gone really well in the UK and Ireland since the show. When was that uh, feature actually recorded? 
So we we actually we done that last uh, the seventeenth of May we done the recording. Yes. So I'm I'm a talker now and I had to keep quiet for six months, which was hard, <laughs> but I managed to do it. So um, we we were kind of swore the secrecy for the BBC that if you let it out the bag earlier on, it might can go on on air. So I had to keep quiet, but uh, it's been absolutely phenomenal since then. Absolutely, especially since Thursday, um, we've just been selling Peggy Rain and Roll Air all over Ireland and the UK, and uh, there's a few left still if people go to the website. But it's been. Oh, unreal, unreal, Jerry. What is your website? So the website is Peggy Rain, P E G G Y R A I N dot com. That's Peggy Rain. And for the suitcase, it's R O L L A E R dot com. That's for Roll Air. And we actually have a discount for anybody in Ireland. Um, if they type in Ireland at the checkout, they get a nice discount off it. But it's uh, flying out the doors at the moment, as you can imagine, really, really well. Now, you got the backing of Tuker Suleiman, and yeah. he he really took to you. The others had all dropped out one one after the other, and I was rooting for you because on that <laughs> on that show, everybody yeah. got an investment, and I said, I hope our man gets this. Tuker, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Tuker invested in you. Yes, yes, he did. So it was actually really good because we'd done the show, as I said, last May. And then, like, I'd done the show. I was in for an hour, an hour and ten minutes. So you only seen 15 minutes in the show. But um, so I met him straight away at lunchtime after the show. And then uh, I was actually in Manchester. I was hoping to have a couple of points that evening. But he said, no, I was up at five the next morning with his factories in Asia and different places. So it was just kick off straight away. Really, really good for us. And I'm um, absolutely delighted uh, with that. So it, it really, that, that's the thing that maybe as viewers uh, looking at this, we don't understand. We often think, oh yeah, they invested or they're going to back somebody or whatever. But really, yeah. you, from your experience with this man, there was no hanging around. It was straight in. Now, what has he meant to you? What has he done for you? So really what we got straight away was um, it was really the high quality manufacturing and the ability to get it back into the UK and Ireland. That was phenomenal for us. So like, we, the last time I spoke to you on LMFM, like Peggy Rain was coming in around, I think it was around 50 euro, but we have it down. So if you were going to the website now, it's 27 euro. So we're able to get the volume up and the price down because the times we're in, people don't want to spend the money on tumble dryers and all of that. And uh, we're able to get the price of the product down and the same with the suitcase. So we were straight away, like on the show, the suitcase was just fresh, but now we have the suitcase in production and we're shipping back. So if anybody wants to pre-order, We've got a load of suitcases coming in April into Ireland and um, they will be actually in retail a few months after that. But if they want to go onto the website now, rollair.com, R-O-L-L-A-E-R, like Erlingus, there's going to be uh, a cheaper a cheaper option at the moment because we have a little discount for direct customers. So it was just really the speed. Uh, like I wanted to get moving. And look, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, as you know. I used to lecture up in Dundalk and uh, it's really great to have the ability to take an idea now and get it into the market within a few months. And that's what I love. I'm really passionate about that. And uh, it just kind of kick-started everything. But the, for me, the manufacturing was the best thing for us because okay. it was... Uh, they were able to filter out and get really good quality people for us and we're just delighted with that. How much did he back you with? What, remind us again, how much did he back you and, and was, what percentage? Yeah. yeah, so it was 80k and then it was down to 25 if he gets his money back in the year. So like that, like I'm happy with that. We went in with an idea in our head and uh, yeah, like I was actually quite confident going in and I'm delighted to, to come out with that but uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was just to let you know, Jerry, like I was in for an hour, an hour and ten so it was kind of, I'll be honest, I was not nervous doing it but I was more nervous towards the night watching it back on telly. Yes. <laughs> because it was, it was like, it's out of control then. There's nothing you can do, you know. It's kind of like in the, in the lap of the gods how they edit it. So, look, it came out well. And uh, the response for, for Roll Air and Peggy Rain has been phenomenal, especially since Thursday. And, uh, yeah, look, we're just, just 
absolutely still buzzing since last Thursday, I'll be honest. Is there more in the locker? There is, there is, there is. But I can't tell you any more at the moment. But I, know I, might do, I might schedule every six months we can have a call yeah. and we can do it that way. <laughs> Listen, that's fine. If you come up with something else, uh, my door is always open here. Give us a shout, Colin. Delighted you Brilliant. got the investment because ah, you, you're a great fella. You're always upbeat and, you know, you've struck on something that uh, Tuker saw and I'm delighted he believed in you. Good luck for the future. Jerry, thanks a million. And just to go again, so it's uh, Rollair, O-L-L-A-E-R.com or Peggy Rain, P-E-G-G-Y-R-A-I-N.com. Just to get the plug in at the end, Jerry. Thanks a minute. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. Super. Bye, Have Colin. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Colin O'Brien, who got the investment from Tuka Sullivan in Dragon's Den. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive now here on LMFM Radio. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.30. Leave you in the company of Miss Miley Cyrus. Truth is bulletproof, there's no fooling you I don't dress the same Me and who you say I was yesterday Have gone our separate ways Left my living fast somewhere in the past Cause that's for chasing cars Turns out open bars lead to broken hearts